pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a rugby league podcast. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. On this episode, we'll be talking about the chances of the top six teams from last year and giving our predictions for round one. To help me with this task, I am joined by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman, as always. The footy's back. Let's get into it. Guys, I've got exciting news. It's Team List Tuesday for the very first round of 2021 series. Miles, you must be frothing with excitement down there in Sydney. Absolutely. We've we've had our last weekend of no footy for a good six months now, so got plenty to look forward to. Kieran, it'd be much better to watch some NRL than all those USC fights you've been watching. Yes. Yeah, uh, i got 25 weeks of, of it now and 25 weeks of doing podcasts with you guys, so happy days. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a rare kind of torture, but let's just jump straight into it. We're gonna, so uh, for this week's episode, we're going to tackle the top six teams from 2020 and, uh, and analyze how we think they're going to go in 2021. We do have a little bit of birthday chat about Xavier Coates and Tom Dearden, who both turned 20 in the same week, as it turns out. And then we also have, uh, a bit of a look at round one of the NRL with some bold predictions right at the end. So let's just jump straight into what team got eliminated in the semifinals last year, the Parramatta Eels. Uh, in terms of player movements, there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, into, including some development players. But I'll just skip to one of some of the main ones like Bryce Cartwright from the Gold Coast Titans, joined by Keegan Hipgrave from the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, they've got Joey Lussick from the Salford Devils. They've got Michael Oldfield from the Raiders. Tom Opacic from the Cowboys. Isaiah Papali'i from the Warriors. And Nathaniel Roach as well from the Warriors. He's on a development contract. And players that they've let go include Daniel Alvaro, Andrew Davey, Kane Evans, Jai Field, David Gower, who retired, uh, George Jennings, Ethan Parry, Jamin Salmon, Brad Takairangi, and Penny Terrapo, as well as Stefano Utoi-Kamanu, who's gone to the Tigers, and I've gotten a little bit better at pronouncing his name compared to last week. Uh, gentlemen, let's just jump into the positives for the Eels. They uh, they came third in the regular season last year, but they were out in straight sets um, in the final series. Uh, Miles, what do you see as being uh, a step forward for the Eels this season, if any? Well, you were mentioning some of their additions there, and I think they've gotten a bit deeper. So you look at guys in the interchange bench this week, like Kazea Papali and, and Keegan Hipgrave. They both enjoyed good outings last year with their former teams. And um, looking at the reserves as well for this week, Joey Joey Lussick was, from memory, quite highly thought of at the, when he came up with the Sea Eagles, but he, mm. he kind of just disappeared into the, the Super League ether. So um, I, I'm sure he'd still be young, only about 24, 25. So... There's, there's a lot of good, um, especially good on the cheap additions there for the Eels. So they've they've done some good work in terms of the depth. Kieran, what do you see as a, as a positive? Yeah, I've pretty much got their, their squad as well. They've still got a really strong core group of players in a settled team. Uh, and I don't see too many positions being up for grabs. Uh, and I also think Dylan Brown is primed for an outbreak season on a similar scale to Jerome Luai last year. Yeah, I, I actually agree with both of you, uh, particularly your point, Kieran. I, I have that they have a, a really settled spine, which compared to some of the other teams that are competing in that sort of top six region, which I imagine a few of us will predict these guys to fall into, uh, they've got a, a much more settled spine than other teams that they're competing against. And Dylan Brown, uh, sky's the limit. So let's see how he goes. What barriers are there, though? They came third last year, as we said, um, but they were out in the straight sets. Uh, what potentially could go wrong for the Eels this year, Kieran? I think the biggest and most obvious barrier um, or thing to overcome, I guess, is a better way to, to look at it, at least if you're an Eels fan, is whether or not uh, Moses can take the Eels to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Dylan Brown will shirk that load that uh, Mitchell Moses has had on his shoulders the last few seasons, and it will bring out the best in both, but... I, I still don't think Mitchell Moses is the, the guy to take the Eels to the next level by himself. So 
hopefully I'm right and Dylan Brown is that man instead. What do you think, Miles? Well, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Kieran said there. There's been a, a lot of questions about Mitchell Moses' ability to uh, to take his team to the next level and, and sort of what, what plane he can win on. But I also think that they, they haven't exactly helped Mitch by assembling this sort of ragtag backline that they've got. Um, Tom Opchick kind of comes in as a as a replacement for, for Michael Jennings. They, really, they had the whole off-season to prepare for that, and they, they didn't. So uh, as a result, he's, he's starting in the, the centres with alongside Walker Blake, who, you know, a good player on offence, but maybe not quite up to NRL de- defence standards. Uh, Blake Ferguson's still there. I'm sure many Eels fans would tell you that his best years are past him. So in terms of what the halves have been given to work with and and how much they can rely on their outside backs. They don't have a whole lot there outside Clinton Gutherson and, and Marcus Sevo, of course. Look, I, I, I agree with uh, both of you, uh, but mine was particularly talking about their defence, and, and I, I'm glad that you pointed out there, Miles, about Wunga Blake and, and Blake Ferguson, who are, yes, they're both good attacking centres. Very sketchy in defence. Uh, and look, Tom Opicic is identified as a defensive center but with respect i think that's mainly because he's not that good at attack uh, so um so he kind of gets labeled as a defensive center i'm not sure that he's actually you know up to it um either i'm happy to be proven wrong as a former cowboy but uh yeah I've, I've got some question marks about their edge defense let's make some bold predictions for the eels this season i'll start off i think keegan hipgrave one of their uh new recruits will be the first eel suspended this year Miles, what is what is what is your uh, what is your bold prediction? Well, mine is mine's not uh, bitter like Bo's, but it, it is a little bit. Look, it is a little bit bittersweet actually. I, I I think that defenses will have worked out Clinton Gutherson and, and how to defend him this year and get up on him quickly because he's not the the fastest fullback in the league as we've pointed out many times on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but that said, I, I think that Dylan Brown really will come into his own this year he's still only i think 20 or 21 so that's it's really incredible given the the contributions that he's he's already made at nrl level so i can see him really going to the next level this year and, and really um in a roundabout way putting putting pressure on his half partner mitchell moses to to really step up and and, and probably step up to to brown's level I'd, I'd love to see it i have a, a bit of a soft spot for dylan brown particularly those uh last-ditch try-saving tackles where he chases players down that you pointed out before, Kieran. Uh, speaking of you, Kieran, what's your ball prediction? Mine's um, waxing lyrical about Dylan Brown again. I've got him to um, become the chief playmaker of the Eels side and have a statistically better season than Mitchell Moses in most facets. So tries, try assists, line breaks, and line break assists. Try assists is an interesting one, uh, but... Yeah, if he if he does fulfill his potential, he's very well on the cards there. Let's talk about the potential of the Eels and whether they'll fulfill it in 2021. Where do we see them finishing, Kieran? Where have you got them? Uh, I've got them fourth or fifth. I think the, there's just too many teams around there that are probably a little bit stronger, so fourth or fifth. And Miles? I've got them in sixth, guys. I don't think they're quite where that upper tier is. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably citing somewhere with you there Miles I've got them between 5th and 7th I, I don't see them in the, in that top tier of teams as I'm sure we'll get to very shortly as we roll on to the Sydney Roosters their roster changes are very few and far between their ins uh, in terms of significant ones are Adam Kieran from the Warriors who will act as well, a potential uh, permanent 5 but I think more halves cover off the bench at the moment and Joseph Suwali, the the much highly rated uh, outside back, the teenage prodigy, as they call him. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll see much of him in the NRL this season, though. In terms of losses, they've had a few. They've had uh, Mitchell Orbison retire. They've had uh, Poasa Fa'amua Maosili, uh, who has gone to the Dragons. They've gone. They've let Kyle Flanagan go to the Canterbury Bulldogs. Ryan Hall uh, to the Hull Kingston Rovers to go and not score tries there. Uh, Lotu, uh, Lotu is, uh, is with the Manly Seagulls and Sonny Bill Williams uh, has headed back to Rugby Union I believe is the word there so uh, not a whole lot of movement in, in the roster for the Roosters Kieran what do you see as a big positive for the season ahead they finished 
fourth last year, but they were out in straight sets in the finals. Can you uh, can you see them going a little bit better, and and what's going to get them there? Uh, I don't have a dire prediction uh, for the Roosters, but I don't know if they'll go any better. But um, positives for the season ahead, I've got the the pressure of a three-peat is off, and they also still have ridiculous depth in their squad. Um, they still they haven't named Sam Verrills, Joseph Suwali, Billy Smith, and Sam Walker is the the 21st man for round one. I understand they're all youngsters, but I think they've got bright futures in the NRL. Uh, if they do need to rely on any of that depth, um, they can. They know that they're going to give a, a very good account of themselves and still make the Roosters a very competitive team. Not to mention, uh, not, not to mention Victor the Inflictor coming back in when he gets uh, recovered from injury. Miles, what do you see as a positive for the Roosters? Yeah, trailing off from what Kieran said there, I think they're they're super deep, but also they're. Their forward pack in particular seems to have been, I guess, hardened by by state of origin last year. Lindsay Collins obviously was quite impressive for Queensland. Angus Crichton, uh, also for the Blues, not quite on the same level, I thought, but uh, many disagree with me there. Many would say he was one of the Blues' best, which you know I didn't see, but whatever. Uh, a friend, <laughs> we've spoken about Jake Friend many times, and he's probably not going to get any better for the experience, but um, regardless, be it what it may... Um, yeah, I, I just generally think that this young pack that the the Roosters have seems to have really benefited from that state of origin experience. Yeah, and as it turns out, Lindsay Collins has been named in the front row uh, for round one with Jared Wairia Hargraves relegated to the bench. Uh, could be interesting move there from Trent Robinson. My positive for the season ahead is a pretty simple one. They still have the best player in the world, who is James Tedesco. And I think if you have... Tedesco lining up for your team more often than not, uh, you stand a really good chance of winning football games. What do we see as a barrier to uh, to their success, though, Miles? What's uh, what's going to stop them this year? Well, look, uh, I'm not going to say I, I think they made the right call on on Kyle Flanagan. I I don't think he had an impressive year last year, but I think whichever way you, you slice it up, I don't think churn in the halves is a necessarily a great thing to have when you're, you're shooting for a premiership Lachlan Lamb just as young as, as Flanagan is so there, there's every chance that uh, he comes in and, and has another uh, teething season like Flanagan did last year and, and yeah I'm just not, not so sure that this that it was the greatest call to let Flanagan go and I'm sure that many of our listeners will have heard the, the stories behind the, the curtain that perhaps his dad was, was some of the reason he was let go but it's, I don't think it bodes very well for the Roosters that they've, they're not quite sure just who their, their best starting six is just yet. Yeah, that's exactly what mine is, actually. Uh, Lachlan Lamb, I'm just not entirely sure is up to it for an entire season if they are to go deep into the finals. It's a lot of weight on the shoulders of Luke Keary. Kieran, what's your barrier to success? Uh, I had that, but I also have, um, can they trust Cooper Cronk at the club? I think he could be the downfall of this squeaky clean club admired across the land. They've got this decision with double agent Kronk wrong. On a serious note, they've lost their captain and the most inspirational talisman in the league in Boyd Corner for at least the best part of half the season. Um, yeah, other than that, I actually couldn't think of too much, but I have the, the halves partner with Kiri. That's uh, an issue as well. So I think their season could derail a bit sooner rather than later if they don't sort that out. That is an interesting thing that I haven't really considered is that Boyd Cordner, yeah, he's he's not going to be there for quite a while uh, and look possibly ever, uh, depending on how that all goes. Uh, I know he intends on coming back, but uh, he is a big loss for that football team for sure. Let's talk about bold predictions. Um, speaking of New South Wales representatives, uh, as Boyd Cordner is, my bold prediction is that uh, Victor the Inflictor Radley will make his origin debut for New South Wales this season. It might not be that bold because Fittler is a known fan of his, but it might be bold to suggest that Fittler stays in the job. So we'll we'll see. Um, <laughs> Miles, I knew you'd like that one. Uh, what <laughs> What is your bold prediction? Well, tailing on from what I said about Lachlan Lamb, I think that halfway through or, or some, some way through the season, he will be replaced and and not with, uh, I guess, Sam Walker, who everyone assumes probably, but I think he'll be replaced with Adam Kieran, who who impressed me last year at the Warriors and the, the limited minutes that he got. I, I think he's... Maybe the Warriors have undersold his talent there and the Roosters have spotted another gem in the rough. I think he's a good player, and I, 
I think he'll step into that six jersey at some point this season in Bress. I think he's a left foot kicker as well, which makes for a good combination with Kiri. Uh, also more of a runner, again, a good combination with Kiri. So I think you could be onto something there, Miles. Kieran, what is your bowl prediction? Um, mine's kind of two-part, and the first part is maybe not even true just yet, but I have heard uh, a lot of talks from a few people on Facebook that Trent Robinson is the GOAT coach or well on his way. I think uh, talks of that will cool this year as his side missed the top four and they bow out of the finals in week two at the latest. All right, so another week to exit for the Roosters. Uh, safe to say, obviously, you don't predict the top four. So so where do you have them, Kieran? I've got them fifth or sixth. All right, so it's basically Eels or Roosters, fifth or sixth for you. Um, I've got them top four, um, but I do think it probably is, like last year, uh, fourth or maybe third. I don't think top two. Um, fourth or third for me, I think. Miles, where do you have them? I think I have them third or fourth as well. I don't think they're quite in that upper echelon where they were a few years ago, but I don't think they're quite as um, on the same level as, as teams like the Eels either or even the Raiders. So I'm going to stick them somewhere in between third and fourth. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it, where we start to get to these teams because uh, before I realised it, I was writing top four to five teams. Uh, in my predictions uh, so I realise I can't do that anymore I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think and I do think the Roosters are a genuine premiership threat speaking of genuine premiership threats let's move forward to the Rabbitohs who came 6th in the regular season last year but made it to the preliminary finals and bowed out by uh, less than a converted try to the uh, Panthers um, with a almost 40-20 from Adam Reynolds. I remember it was quite a quite a dramatic ending. In terms of player movements, they've got Jai Arrow joining the club for a few years uh, from the Titans. I think that's a really good in. Uh, Jacob Host, who looks set to lock down one of those edge positions, they've picked up Josh Mansour uh, straight into the starting squad for the from the Panthers. Uh, Benji Marshall uh, with those. Uh, well-traveled and weary legs. He, he'll be on the uh, on the bench. They've got Tane Milne from the Warriors, Tautau Monga from the Knights, and Blake Ta'afe uh, in the development squad. Their losses include uh, the greatest fullback of all time, Corey Allen, uh, Tom <laughs> Amone, uh, Kurt Dillon, who was released, uh, Bryson Goodwin, Jack Johns, who returns to uh, Newcastle Knights, Ethan Lowe, who retired, James Roberts, who was essentially let go and the Tigers picked him up. And I think the uh, the underrated Bailey Sirinan, who's headed off to the Warriors, I actually think that's a bit of a loss for the Rabbitohs. But, Kieran, what do you see as a as a big positive for the Rabbitohs uh, coming into this season? Um, just going off what you read out just there, the, the signings that they've brought in, uh, Mansoor, Arrow, Host, and Marshall for extra cover, Marshall for extra cover and a bench roll. Uh, and I think the others fit in brilliantly. They've... Like you said, they lost Bailey Sirinan, and I think Jacob Host is a maybe not as good as Sirinan. Well, time will tell, but is a, a pretty admirable replacement to get. Um, and I think Mansoor probably a good guy to have around with guys like Jackson Paulo, who I think he has a lot of quality, but he he hasn't quite um, hit the potential that he he probably has at the moment. So I think having Mansoor to kind of uh, show him the reins um, will help. Yeah, that that sounds pretty much spot on for me uh miles what do you think well you were reading out those additions there Bo, and i i think they've made some some really good signings there benji marshall is excellent halves cover for for walker and reynolds and it'll be interesting to see if he gets on this week and and what he might add uh jay Arrow obviously just played state of origin or controversially so but mm-hmm. it was still good enough to get there at least and i think that he will he, he kind of seems like the player that will work really well under wayne bennett so um, and a few of the other additions you were out there, like Tautau Moga. Um, yeah, they're good, good signings. And, uh, of course, Josh Mansour, can't forget him. Um, so it's it, the Rabbitohs look to have really done some good good work reinforcing their squad this offseason. For me, I, I think um, I think the big positive for them is, is they've got the best spine in the comp. And I'll tell you what, if it's not the best spine, it's on the podium. It's right there. Because Latrell Mitchell looks like he's just about to come into some real hot form. Uh, we know what Walker was like last year. Uh, we know what Cook's capable of. He had a 
quite yeah by his standard a bit more workman like than I'd like to see from him uh, and then Adam Reynolds just uh, as solid as halfbacks get in our competition I think I think that's the uh, recipe for success for the Rabbitohs as they chase it but what are some barriers miles what do you see being a problem for them well, looking at the forward packet, as deep as it is with some of those names we, we just mentioned, uh, a, a, a real leader for it doesn't stand out. I mean, you could you could say age-wise Tom Burgess, but he's he's far from the best player there. And and you would also kind of look at a, a, maybe a guy like Cameron Murray, but he took a step back last year, so he'll have a lot of work to do to re- regain what he once was. And um, you know, another guy, Jaden Sewer, who, who played State of Origin last year, is he? Uh, old enough or, or ready to stand up as a leader of this forward pack it's and and you could even say that angus Crichton should be the leader of this forward pack but of, of course russell crowe's um incredible ability to get his best players offside is struck again and he's been a rooster for a number of years now so it'll be interesting to see who really stands up as as the best forward in this pack to lead them lead them forward uh, that's very similar to mine, so I'll just jump in. Mine is a lack of punch in their engine room. Like, like Tom Burge is a bit inconsistent. Jacob Host, an unknown quantity. Uh, Sua, yet to be really, really consistent. Um, I'd like to see him continue on his form from last year. Uh, I think Cam Murray is by far and away the best forward they have with Jai Arrow. Um, but how do you find room for both those guys in the same pack? Um, maybe Jai Arrow becomes a front rower. Uh, but yeah, a bit of a bit of a lack of punch in their engine room, which will create less space for their for their startling halves. Kieran, what do you see as a barrier to success? Yeah, I have the the same thing. And looking at their reserves as well, I see that they've only got um, Mago as a forward on the the reserves from eighteen to mm. twenty one. So yeah, you have to wonder if uh, if Good some point. of the forwards start to yeah get get injured. I I'm not too sure what they'll do, but I also have, um, this is contingent, uh, but I have losing Adam Reynolds this season would be a, mm. a calamity um, with neither Marshall or Dargan good enough to help take the Rabbitohs to the promised land. I, I do think it's a real possibility. Uh, Adam Reynolds wants two years, and with the Rabbitohs in a premiership window, losing such a vital cog could throw those chances out the window just like that. Well, that would be uh, that would be catastrophic for the Rabbitohs. Uh, my bold prediction involves Adam Reynolds, so I'll jump in here. I think the club will buckle and offer Adam Reynolds at least a two-year deal, which he'll accept. So I, I don't see him going anywhere else. So I think they're going to uh, do a deal. Uh, and when I wrote that, it was a little bit before a news report that said that that was likely to happen today. So uh, I'm feeling pretty confident about that one. Uh, Miles, what is your bold prediction? Well, I'm so glad that you guys mentioned Adam Reynolds because he is also the, the centre of my bold prediction. I've, I've actually been doing some uh, marinating on the, the topic for the, the past few days. and It, it wouldn't surprise me if the, the new uh, head of football, uh, I, think he, I think the guy's name is Mark Ellison or Mark Ellison or something like that, re- replacing Shane Richardson. It wouldn't surprise me if he was keen to kind of show off his savvy early on. I, I think he might have leaked the the contract story to the news or, or to the media in an effort to spur Reynolds on to earn that uh, multi-year contract. So my bold prediction is that Reynolds will have a fantastic year and, and will basically be forced into to the Rabbitohs giving him that contract. And, and of course, that also being to the Rabbitohs' benefit that they, they may very well win the, the premiership off the back of his excellent year. He has won a premiership for them before, so it wouldn't be the first time. Kieran, what's your bold prediction? I've got Latrell Mitchell and Damian Cook to both either discover or rediscover career best form and take them deep into the finals. A safe bet, I think, that one. But uh, Cookie, as as we said, a bit of a quiet season last year, so hopefully he can get back to what he is capable of. Guys, it sounds overwhelmingly positive here uh, in terms of predicted finishes. I'll start off. I've got them top four, obviously, but I do think Wayne Bennett will be... Uh, serenaded away from the club with a grand final appearance at worst. Uh, Miles, what, where do you think they're going to land? Well, uh, not prepared to just yet make a call on finals, but I've I've got them finishing second. All right, and Kieran? Yeah, I've got them first or second. Um, I think they'll get a home final either way. 
a home final, hopefully a red fern. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be a throwback? All right, let's go through. We've got one more team before the halftime break. We've got the Canberra Raiders, who in terms of uh, uh, recruitment haven't done a whole lot, to be honest. They picked up Caleb Aikens from the Panthers, Albert Hopawate from the Manly Seagulls. I'm not sure how the Seagulls let that one happen. He looked like a, quite a promising player. Um, Ryan James has been picked up by the ti- from the Titans, rather. Um, and Harry Rushton picked up from Great Britain. Uh, in terms of losses, speaking of Great Britain, John Bateman has headed back there. Uh, quite a big loss for the Raiders. Luke Bateman, his namesake, unrelated, has been released, as has JJ Collins. Nick Kotrich was a, a big dollar signing uh, for the Bulldogs. And Michael Oldfield will act as backline cover at the Eels. Kieran, what are some positives for the Raiders, who uh, finished fifth last year, but... Uh, worked their way into a into a rather disappointing preliminary final appearance. Yeah, and, and just leading off that, I, I, well, I'll start on positives. I, I believe the, the Whitens-Williams-Halves combination will only get stronger, um, and they also have one of the more generous uh, draws, playing four teams that finished outside the top eight last season twice, and then t- uh, teams they do play twice include the Sharks and Knights. Oh, okay. Thanks for the info. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a big advantage for the Raiders. Miles, what are you seeing for the Raiders? Well, the biggest advantage I see for the Raiders is that you, you look up and down this roster and you don't see too many state of origin players there. And that's certainly not a backhand. Uh, a, a lot of their best talent is either uh, uh, Kiwi or, or, or British, which is uh, a, a big advantage in the NRL competition as we've, we've come to learn. Obviously, Josh Papali will, will feature for Queensland this year almost certainly and maybe uh, one or two other players for, for their respective states but they look set to lose almost no talent through the state of origin period a huge advantage I love that you guys are both looking deep into the uh, into the draw and further into the season I, I like that very much mine's a bit more simple I, I like the return of Josh Hodgson I know that uh, Saliba Havili and, and Tom Starling did a, a really good job last year but I think Hodgson being that central playmaker allows George Williams and Jack White to do what they do best, which is to think run first. Uh, if, if they're really getting over the advantage line with their running game uh, on the back of Josh Hodgson's work, I think it could be a really big thing for the Raiders. But what is a problem for the Raiders this year, Miles? What's going to be a barrier to success? Well, thanks for asking me, Bo. I think it'll be Josh Hodgson. <laughs> <laughs> no, All right, no. do tell. <laughs> No, I, I, I hardly think it'll be a barrier to success, but I, it, obviously once he got hurt last year, the, the, the elephant in the room being the, the Raiders kind of took off through the roof. So mm. it, it kind of had me wondering whether a, a more a more pure passing hooker like Saliva Havili is what the club needs and, and maybe whether Josh Hodgson's running game, which is good for a man of his size, does take away a little bit from guys like Jack White and George Williams. But, you know, we'll... Remains to be seen, but it'll be interesting to see just how he's integrated back into the team. It is. It was quite sad seeing the team list and seeing Tom Starling uh, in jersey. I think eighteen. He was definitely on the reserves, and uh, I thought I thought he did a bit better than that last year. But them's the breaks. Uh, Kieran, what do you see as a barrier to success? Um, I had to check myself a little bit with it because um, I didn't really have a whole lot. I've been high on the Raiders the last three, four years, but. I have to say, for all their attacking prowess, they really need to fix up their defensive lapses. Um, against the Sharks, Roosters, and Storm in the finals last year, they were either down early or uh, leading handsomely, and then they ended up letting in soft tries that got the score back, uh, scoreboard back to either even, or um, they were ended up losing the games. Uh, and this is also part of a bigger problem altogether. I can't think of too many 80-minute performances from the Green Machine. Um, their attack is just so good. I think they just rely on their defense or uh, rely on their attack and get lazy in defense at times. Mm. Um, and I also have discipline with uh, Hudson, Horsberg, and Harawir and Naira being banned in recent times for off-field uh, indiscretions. Um, I just think that they need to show more solidarity, and it doesn't bode well for the upcoming season. I think their uh, their biggest thing is actually maybe a little bit more complex, a bit more psychological. It's it's the fact that I think it's pretty hard to stay on top of this competition for an extended period. And and teams like the Roosters and the Storm particularly have made an art form of it in the last decade. But uh, you know the Rabbitohs have had 
ebbs and flows. They've been pretty good for a little while. The Eels have been there or thereabouts. The Raiders have been right up there the last couple of seasons. And I just, I'm looking across their roster and I'm not seeing a whole lot of experience. There's no Cameron Smith. There's no Cooper Cronk. There's no Billy Slater. There's no one like that that just gets that team up every year, every game. Uh, The loss of John Bateman, I think, is going to be quite pivotal there as well. Uh, And I don't think Ricky Stewart's the coach to keep uh, sustained success uh, at a club. I, I, I don't, that, might, that might be a little bit harsh, but uh, I just see it being a bit of a barrier. I think it's it's going to be tough for them. I, I actually don't think they are going to struggle, but if I was to find a barrier, I think that would probably be it. Just a bit of fatigue from being at the top for so long or near the top. Let's make some bold predictions. Uh, Miles, what do you got? Well, I said earlier in the podcast that they only have one lock for State of Origin, but my bold prediction is that they actually wind up with more than that. Obviously, Dynamis Louis played for Queensland last year. He could be retained. And I wouldn't be surprised to see guys like maybe uh, Hudson Young or, or even Curtis Scott called in for, for New South Wales. So uh, the best laid plans of the Raiders may go awry in actually missing one or, or two or three or four players through State of Origin. That's actually my bold prediction. Similar, at least. Uh, I've got that Hudson Young will make a squad you know how they usually name like a 20 man squad yeah, um, yeah. I That's think I think he'll make a squad yeah Kieran what do you have I personally think they still lack a, a big uh, team mentality it reminds me a little of Manchester United in the title race for the EPL thereabouts but they can't quite hang with the big boys when it really matters um, so I'm tipping them not to fix this again and I, I think they'll bounce out in week two of the finals yeah that's that pretty much what I meant it's just like it's a culture thing almost. Like I expect them to sort of have a fall at some point. I, however, don't think it will be this year. Um, I think, I think they will come third, but, okay. but I, uh, I, I don't think it's going to last forever. That's for sure. Uh, where do you have them, Kieran? While you're while you're on that subject, uh, I've still. I think they they're a chance for the top four, but I've got them fourth or fifth. Mm. And Miles, where do you have them? Yeah. I've- I've got them a step back from the the big boys as well. I've got them fifth. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Let's have a quick little halftime break. Uh, We're going to hear from my other podcast, Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast. And we have a bit of a birthday segment about Xavier Coates and Tom Dearden. Back soon. If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade, Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Alright gentlemen, it's a happy birthday to two baby Broncos this season, uh, this week I should say. Xavier Coates and Tom Dearden, who as it turns out, they both turn... 20 in the same week at the same club, which is uh, which is quite something. Xavier Coates has become a Queensland State of Origin representative uh, last year during their victorious campaign. Tom Dearden, a highly thought of halfback, he has been for a number of years, uh, currently outside the best 17 at the Broncos, according to their coach, Kevin Walters. I think it's fair to say that both players have a bright future. My question to you on their respective birthdays is... Which one has the brighter future? Which one are you most excited to see the development of? Uh, if that is a slightly similar question, I'll start with you, Kieran, because you're a Brisbane-based person. Uh, who is who has the brighter future out of Xavier Coates and Tom Dearden? Oh, I think they've both got quite a, a similar ceiling. Uh, I think they've both got um, heaps of oodles of potential, but uh, going off from what I've seen from both of them, I'll, I'll, I landed on Coates. Um, I haven't seen enough of a obviously very talented Dearden who backs himself 100%, um, but then again, so does Coates, uh, and that was made evident in Origin last year. Um, Coates exploded onto the scene with that double against the Sharks from some acrobatic leaps, and he just um, he performed more than adequately in his two Origin games last year with two tries. 
And then with all the the contract talks, with I don't think that will derail derail his career. But I, I um, for those all of those reasons, I think I have to lean towards Coates at this stage. Hard to argue with that, Miles. Where where do you land on this one? Uh, I know that you're more of a fan of halfbacks than wingers usually. <laughs> but on this occasion, I'm going to sign with the wing because I, I think it's Coates. I mean, for all the reasons you outlined, really, he's played State of Origin. He was. A victorious campaign, which I, I believe he contributed to in a big way. He was uh, excellent in game one, and hell, he featured for the Broncos all last year, where where did and didn't really, and and I guess maybe the most convincing um, part of this all is that the Storm have identified Coates as a uh, someone good enough to play for them. I think I believe they've signed him up beyond this year. So look at Craig Bellamy's um, Craig Bellamy's backing is as good as any's. A fair point, a fair point. I, I, I agree with both of you. I think uh, I think in terms of a ceiling, someone like Tom Dearden is someone like uh, Adam Reynolds. You know, he could be like a really, really excellent halfback week in, week out for a club, play some representative football, particularly because he's a Queenslander. It's a bit easier to get yourself in there. Uh, he'll probably play, you know, 10 origin games. He'll probably play 250 first grade games. Xavier Coates has the physique to be anywhere between Inglis, Jared Hayne, Daniel Tupo. So for me, it is also Xavier Coates. Uh, but I will say this, if Tom Dearden does indeed sign for the Cowboys, my vote changes. Uh, so happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to both Xavier Coates and Tom Dearden, who turned 20 uh, this week. Um, and I hope... Actually, I don't really. I, I hope they have a loss uh, against the Eels later on this week, but more on that soon, uh, just after this music interlude. All right, welcome to the second half of this episode of Above the Horizontal, which is our part three of our, our preseason analysis and also our preview for round one, which is starting in a couple of days' time. Uh, we're going to... St- Get back into our, uh, our preseason analysis of the teams. And we've got to our grand finalists, the Penrith Panthers, who lost just the one game throughout the regular season. Of course, they lost two by the end of it uh, in the grand final, uh, albeit with a pretty uh, miraculous comeback to almost make it interesting. Uh, in terms of player movement, they have gained Matthew Eisenhuth from the Tigers, Robert Jennings also from the Tigers, Paul Momorowski from the Storm and the Tigers, um, <laughs> Jamin Salmon from the Eels, Scott Sorensen from the Sharks, and in terms of losses, they've lost uh, backup fullback Caleb Aikens, uh, Cade Ellis to the Dragons, Jack Hetherington to the Bulldogs, Dane Laurie to the Tigers, uh, which I think could be could be a bit of a loss for them, Josh Mansour to the Rabbitohs. Their captain, James Tamo to the Tigers. Zane Tetavano to the Leeds Rhinos. Uh, Dean Vare, who we didn't see a lot of last year, has headed to France. And Malachi Wateni-Zelesniak has retired. Miles, what do you see as a positive for the Panthers as they go to, as they advise to go one better than last year? Well, I think it's a rare occasion when the, the team that finishes top of the standings gets better during the offseason. But I think that's what the Panthers have done. I, I think they made the right call with Mansoor and Staines. The, the guy was every chance to walk if he didn't play starting football this year or, or play NRL this year. And they've now handed him the number two jersey. So I don't see him relinquishing that this year, probably. Um, Momorowski, I think, is... Although he's sort of inherited that through... Um, the suspension of uh, Brent Nade, and I think he's probably the better player, at least in my opinion. Um, and then there's some addition by subtraction. Real, oh, I'm not sure if that's what you'd call it, but Liam Martin on the bench, uh, I think he'd probably start in the back row for just about every other team in the league. So it, it's a scary team, and it's it, it's gotten even better uh, in the offseason. Agreed. Kieran, what do you make of the uh, the Panthers' positives? Yeah, I, I have. Uh, they've kept the nucleus of their... their um, I was going to say premiership-winning side. Sorry, Panthers fans. Um, their side that went to the, their side that went to the grand final. Um, and I, I don't mind Leota as a, as a replacement for Tamo at all. Uh, and I also went through their draw, and they've got nearly no uh, block, blockbuster games back-to-back. Um, I think it'll allow for less intense games and hopefully less injuries. And that would be uh, that would be quite a blessing for them. Uh, I, I've got a very similar one to Miles in the sense that their young, brilliant squad 
who dominated last season is still largely intact and even more experienced, and they'll be better for that, you might think. Miles, brilliant young squad for the Panthers, a, a lot of upside, but is there some downside? Is there a barrier to their success, Miles? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I'd be interested to see um, just just how big a, an impact Trent Barrett had on this squad. Um, obviously, Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai uh, sung his praises and waxed lyrical about what a coach he was last year. But, uh, you know, of course you're going to say that when you, you're trying to convince him to, to stick around at the club. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the, the offense works and, and, and whether they run the same sort of stuff they did uh, when Trent Barrett was at the club or whether they try and change it or whether they actually can run the same stuff or not and, and just how big an impact it has because they, I mean, the the timeline reflects that he, he made a massive difference to that club, obviously, but um, who knows whether that was actually the case or not. And, and if it was the case, then it, it may have been a bigger loss than we, we initially thought. And good news for guys like Kyle Flanagan at the Bulldogs. What do you make of this, Kieran? What do, what do you see being a problem for the Panthers? Um, I've got... Uh, this is the only thing I could come up with, and uh, it might it might not play a factor at all, but I've got um, going as far as they did last season and then stumbling at the last hurdle. I hope that being a young side, um, I hope it doesn't haunt them too much and they don't take this season as a, a season where they have to avenge last year's grand final loss. Um, if they don't get caught up in that, I can't see too many other barriers to success. Yeah, a psychological one, and it's actually something that that I can maybe foresee happening. Uh, in in terms of a barrier for me, I'm I'm very curious to see what what the loss of James Tamo is. I don't think James Tamo is one of the best props in the league by any stretch of the imagination. He's a very very solid prop, um, but it, his loss raises some questions over the Panthers' leadership. Uh, it, it raises some questions over their front row rotation, uh, also with the loss of Zane Tedavano, and their ability to live up to expectations. Now they can't fly under the radar anymore with one of the best, probably the best season in NRL history, uh, at least uh, since 1998, of course, um, albeit without the trophy to show for it. Um, I, I just wonder, do they have the experience to to manage these these new expectations where suddenly a lot of their players are either rep players or in that conversation? Uh, it'll be interesting times. Let's make some bold predictions. Kieran, what do you got? I'm a little more hesitant on mine after just listening to what you had to say about um, a lot more pressure being on them, but I have Luai and Cleary to stamp themselves as the best halves pairing in the comp and take the Panthers mm. deep into the finals once more. All right. Well, they uh, they did a fair job of that last season. So just to really nail it down this year, and they have the talent, that's for certain. My bold prediction is that Liam Martin, despite obviously starting the season, as we now know, uh, on the bench uh, behind Kurt Capewell and Viliami Kikau, I think he's going to play for New South Wales. I think he's that good. Uh, and I thought I thought he really, really gave them a bit of extra punch on that right edge last year. So uh, a really good challenge between him and Capewell to see who ends up being the uh, the first choice back rower in that spot. But I think I think Liam Martin's got the goods and he'll play for New South Wales. Miles, uh, do you have a bold prediction? Kieran, I'm, I'm going to side with you here and... Not that I think you're wrong at all, bro, but um, <laughs> I, I even think that Luai Cleary could be the harvest pairing going into the State of Origin camp for New South Wales. Wow. <laughs> oh, Jack, Jack Whiten <laughs> says hello. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, it, like tell you what, if, if he does manage to... This is Luai I'm speaking about because I think Cleary probably will be the halfback. Um, yeah, if, if Luai does manage to beat out Cleary, Walker and Whiten... It's going to be a damn fine start to his season. Let's talk about predicted finishes. Miles, where do you have the Panthers finishing? Look, I, I think they're going to finish in first. I don't think, I think anything is going to stop them this year. Ooh, all right. Kieran, where do you have them? I have them first to third. <laughs> all right. I've got them. I've got a little bit less faith. I've got a little bit less faith. I've got them fifth to sixth. I... I I can Whoa. see the town. Ta- yeah, yeah. I, 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 I probably should have thrown that in the bowl predictions. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's a psychological thing for me. I, I've, I've looked at their halfback, Nathan Cleary. He's not a big game player in most occasions. He's going to be under more pressure than he's ever been under 
this season, especially as a, as a co-captain or as a, as a leader um, behind Isaiah Yeo. Um, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just don't see them clicking the same way they clicked last year. And as we've, as we've spoken about, the top four this year, if they're not part of it, it's a very good top four. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I've got the fifth or sixth. Uh, sue me. I don't know. <laughs> let's, go the, let's go to the Melbourne Storm. Uh, last year's premiers, of course. Fantastic team. Their player movements are, you know, as, as is their brand, not not excessive. In terms of big ins, they've really only got two, and they're not huge ins. It's just George Jennings uh, via the Warriors and Remus Smith from the Bulldogs, just reinforcing their back line a little bit. Their losses include the retired Shandor Earl, the uh, Gold Coast-bound Tino Fasua Maliawi, uh, Ricky Latelli, who is headed to England, Paul Momorowski, as we discussed, at the Panthers, Albert Vette, uh, one of their front row uh, rotation, has headed to the whole KR, and Siliasi Vunavalu has headed to Rugby Union to pursue his uh, Wallabies dream. Guys, they were the Premiers last year. What are some positives for the season ahead, Miles? Well, I... Uh this might be uh, certainly in Queensland r- rugby league high treason, but I think jettisoning Cameron Smith could end up being a good thing. And uh, look, obviously their their week one starter is Brandon Smith, and and they've got Harry Grant waiting in the wings, uh, injured unfortunately. But both of them provide a, a a lot quicker option at hooker, and I think that's only going to benefit the the way they've constructed this team. Look at the. The, the players they've put um, in their back line here. they've got Ryan Pappenhausen Josh Adokar two of the, the fastest dudes in the league George Jennings can run too uh, as can Justin Ollum for, for a, quite a big man uh, Munster again short and pudgy but he's pretty quick for his size um, <laughs> I think this more up-tempo Storm side may prove to be even better than uh, what Cameron Smith I'll, I'll put it hooker um, I was about to say the past year but more like the past 20 years it's um, it's funny. Uh, we we agree almost on this. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say losing Cameron Smith is a good thing. No, of but, course, they, of course. but Cameron Smith is an aging hooker, and they need to make that replacement at some point. What better time than someone like Harry Grant with the confidence that he's got, and Brandon Smith, as you mentioned, for the first month or so, and with punch off the bench, an able replacement as well. The wheels just keep on turning down in Melbourne town. Uh, Kieran, what do you see as a positive for the Melbourne Storm? Yeah, I've got somewhat of a similar one to Miles. I think it's the the perfect time um, to lose Cameron Smith with his leadership qualities gone from this group. I think that they're actually as tight-knit as ever, um, given the fact that they spent the whole season together on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, I just think that the bonds that they'll have between each other will kind of um, fill the void of the, the lost leadership from Cameron Smith, and they'll be able to hold each other accountable on the field. And then as Miles says, they also get Harry Grant back and I can't see second season syndrome affecting Ryan Pappenhausen. I think the Storm could even be better again. Yeah, I think they're in that conversation, aren't they? Uh, let's, I guess, try and find some barriers then, Kieran. Um, what can you what can you find? Uh, it's not even really a barrier, I guess. I, it could be in a big game. Uh, they lose their goal kicker in Cameron Smith and I, I think Pappenhausen is the goal kicker now. So mm. um, I'm just not sure how that will go uh, if there's a, a big moment, although Pappenhausen sort of that field goal against the Roosters last season. Um, he could be the man to take over Cameron Smith. Miles, what do you see as being a barrier? Well, I also have as a barrier losing Cameron Smith. Uh, obviously, there's a, a ton of experience lost there, 400-odd games, and uh, he, he almost plays like he has 800 games of experience. Um, a fantastic hooker, and, and yes, maybe has been surpassed in terms of um, the, the hooker standings in the league, but you're never going to replace Cameron Smith easily, that's for sure, and I think there'll certainly be teething problems, but um, uh, yeah, I, I think in one way or another, whether it's on the field or not, they'll certainly feel the cam- loss of Cameron Smith at some point this season. Yeah, I, th- I think I have to agree. What I, what I had written down was that, like, I mean, I, I want to say that replacing guys like Vunavalu and Fasua Maliawi and Cameron Smith is a bridge too far, 
and they haven't recruited adequately. But I've learned, I've just learned to have faith in the Melbourne system. So I actually, I really have no idea what barriers exist. I mean, how do you replace a guy like Cameron Smith, uh, you know, with Harry Grant? Like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I, 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 you know. I just give up. I just trust. In Bellamy, I trust. Uh, let's go with a with a bold prediction. Mine is that Melbourne local junior, Dean Ramia will score at least 10 NRL tries in his rookie season. Whoa. Mm, yeah. The last player to do that. Uh, or, you know, probably someone like, like Israel Falau or like, there must be someone more recent than that, surely. Did Silias even a valid? He did, didn't he? He scored twenty, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. I think you're on the money there. But yeah, I think I think at least ten tries. That means he probably he probably plays at least eight or so games, and maybe maybe a few more. And um, he looks he looks promising. So uh, Dean Iaromia, uh, I'll have to get better at pronouncing that if I've got that one wrong. Miles, what is your bold prediction for the Melbourne Storm this season? Well, I'd love to have your bold prediction, Bo. But uh, the one I've written down is that. Um, I think the the unintended and Kieran kind of spoiled this for for me earlier on, but I think the unintended consequence of losing Cameron Smith is that they're going to have to decide on another goal kicker, and I don't think either Pappenhausen or Monster have outstanding records with the T when mm. Smith is out. Uh, I don't know if Hughes has ever taken a shot in his NRL career, and so outside of that, they they might um they, they might be at a point where they they lose a few games this year through goal kicking. Yeah, I think I think that's a very realistic possibility, and I think goal kicking obviously a very technical thing, but I think it's a lot of mental as well, and that's where Cameron Smith, like those big moments, you know, slipping over on the sideline and still slotting it, like he's uh, there's a, there's another level there that maybe they're missing. I agree with both of you on that. Kieran, what is your bold prediction for the Storm? Um, it's uh, an individual player award as well, um, but it's probably the most. Um I guess, arguably contested uh, award for the season. I've got Ryan Pappenhausen to win Dalian fullback of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's a hot field too. So, But uh, on, the, on the form that he showed last year, you'd be uh, maybe silly not to assume that he'd be there or thereabouts. Uh, a, a good call. And I'd love to see it. I, I don't mind a little bit of Pappy. Hey, he's uh, there's something about yeah. him. <laughs> uh, predicted finish time. I've got them top four, probably making the grand final again. I don't know. They're just... They're excellent. Uh, <laughs> Miles, Miles, where do you have them? Well, I've got them in third, but does anyone want to do a quick guessing game about who has the best goal-kicking percentage on the Storm? I've just looked it up. Um, oh, okay. Brandon Smith. Okay, Kieran? Um, I'll say Monster. <laughs> so only two have actually taken from this, from this week's starting lineup. Only two have taken a shot at goal. Monster is 59%. And Pappenhausen is fifty percent. Oh dear, I, I was thinking. I was thinking maybe they threw it to the cheese or something for a for a cheeky one from in front or something. You know, I thought it was a trick question. So you see, <laughs> Munster's got the better percentage, but uh, pa- Pappenhausen could have had like a shit one from the sideline or something. Of course. All right, let's uh, let's jump into the next segment, guys. Which is, guys, it's it's we've discussed it. It's round one. It's happening. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's just jump straight in. <laughs> Thursday night, Storm versus Rabbitohs. Miles, you are you are the man closest to Melbourne for us, so uh, let us know what's happening. Well, look, um, I, it's a hard one to call. Obviously, the the Storm are blooding such a, a new team. Guys like George Jennings and Remus Smith in the back line. It'll be interesting to see what Craig Bellamy can do with players like that who have been you know, certainly come under a lot of scrutiny in, in the past. And we all know Craig Bellamy's reputation... Um, the Rabbitohs are almost in, I think, completely fit, uh, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think they're missing any major uh, major players. But, look, uh, we all know the Storm's record. They, I don't think they've lost round one in, in a very long time. And uh, in, in Melbourne, uh, oh, sorry, it's not in Melbourne. No, is it in Melbourne? I'm not sure. <laughs> it's it was, named it Amy scheduled for melbourne but yeah this stage is going to be in melbourne and um regardless whether it's in uh whether it's in albury or melbourne uh, i think the storm will win Uh, i don't see them losing that that week one record they have kieran who you got for this one yeah i think the storm are just a little bit uh mentally stronger i've got them edging it out 
I've got the Rabbitohs. I, I think form uh, in the trials, particularly with Latrell Mitchell being on fire the way that he has been, uh, speaks for a lot. And, and as you mentioned, Miles, the only injury they've got is Liam Knight. It's just a concussion thing, so like a week or two. Um, nothing major like Harry Grant, for example. So I, I, yeah, I, I think the Rabbitohs <laughs> need to start need to start walking the walking the talk. So. I've got them. Uh, Kieran, you have the next game, which is between the Knights and the Bulldogs on Friday evening from Newcastle. Um, yeah, so there's some big outs for the Knights. Uh, Tex Hoy, Stafford, Toa, and Gehamet Shibasaki all replace Ponga, Lee, and Hunt, respectively, in the back line, with Kurt Mann playing in place of Blake Green. Um, Tyson Frizzell starts with Braley back from an ACL injury and then uh, interestingly for the Dogs Corey Allen slots in at fullback with Will Hopoate going to centre um, and Kotrick plays on the other centre a big in and Kyle's scapegoat Flanagan is the halfback um, <laughs> with Marshall King out uh, for another week with injury uh, Sione Katoa plays in his place um, I still don't think the Knights have formed an identity or their own game plan uh, they've just relied a lot on Palmer's brilliance and Mitchell Pierce as well. Um, and when that hasn't been enough, when they haven't been playing, uh, I, I, I don't really like what I see from the Knights. Um, so I, I think the Dogs' fearless approach will continue given their underdog status in most games last season and the way they performed. Uh, I've got them springing an upset here. Interesting. Miles, where do you land on this one? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a shame that the the game is so early on in the season here for the Bulldogs. I, I agree with Kieran. I think they would be able to spring an upset, and they they may still, but I I think it's a bit early on in the piece here for the for the Bulldogs. So I'm going to go with the Knights. Yeah, new coach, new system, new playmakers. It, it, it's going to be a, a tough one to get that cohesion. However, I do like Jake Avarillo at five eight. I, I like the idea of him getting his hands on the ball. Every attacking set they have uh, with that back line at their disposal, I've got a feeling about an upset here as well. So I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. Uh, interestingly, I, I've, as I was reading it out, maybe not so much, but <laughs> anyway, I'll back it in. Go the Bulldogs. Um, I tipped them on the NRL.com tipping site, uh, so I'll just I'll stick with it. I've got the next game, which is the Broncos and the Eels from Suncor Stadium later on Friday night. After the worst season in their history, new coach Kevin Walters has made some changes. Croft gets first crack at halfback, and Azako returns to fullback. Uh, with no Katoni Staggs for a while, Tessie New does get that centre's position, and uh, I think Payne Haas is pretty well covered in the front row for the time that he's away. Uh, Funnily enough, after transitioning into a back rower, Corios has missed out on selection entirely, which I think is kind of humorous. Um, the, <laughs> Eels, the Eels look quite similar to last year, on the exception of Michael Jennings being out with suspension and Tom Opacic getting first opportunity at his left center spot. They've also named, as Miles mentioned earlier, a very strong-looking bench with Keegan Hipgrave and Isaiah Papali'i, the new names there. Look, Brisbane itself will probably turn out a decent crowd despite getting the wooden spoon last year but the eels are a bit too strong on paper and with nothing but trial form and and reputations to go with i'm going to back them in you know 13 plus fairly comfortably miles what do you reckon yeah eels next (laughs) kieran agreed yeah 13 plus as well Excellent. All right. Let's go to the uh, Warriors and Titans, which is on Saturday afternoon. Uh, that game is being played at Central Coast, which is, the, which is, of course, where the Warriors are based again this year, at least for the first few months. Miles, you've got this one. Who? Uh, what do you make of this one? It's, it's a hard one to tip this one. Obviously, the, the Warriors come into it with the, uh, the more... Uh, stability is not the word, probably consistency. Um, and they also add... Adam Fanua Blake, which is a, a massive in for them from the mm. the off season, which we've already already talked about. Um, the Titans, of course, trump them with the addition of David Fafita and Tino Fasilla Mauiawi. So, um, look, I, I think that um, the way I can see this going is the the Warriors perhaps leading early at their sort of uh, semi spiritual home ground, and, and the Titans romping home off the the back of their big forward additions. So, I'm going to take the the Titans to have some sort of uh, an early victory lap uh, here. Kira, what do you make of this one? I've got to keep strong with my uh, bold prediction, um, but I, I like the Warriors to win here and spring an upset anyway. I think uh, I said last week that Roger Tuovasashek is primed for another big season, and I think he'll be a, a big reason that the Warriors edge this out. 
I've, I've, I guess I've picked my uh, my choice on an interesting kind of strategy here. I've looked at the reserves and I've seen the names Philip Sammy, Herman Sasa, and Sam McIntyre on the reserves, which tells me. And then I look at the the team that they have listed, and I'm guess like I'm just like, well, who would I swap? Like maybe Anthony Don for Philip Sammy, but that's like sacrilege down Gold Coast way. So um, I I don't know. I, I guess I'll go with the Titans. Uh, I'm not confident though. Like you say, Miles, it's, it's a tough one. Um, so good luck to both teams, but especially the Titans. Let's go to the next game, uh, which is the Roosters and Sea Eagles. Kieran, uh, this one's being played at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Can uh, can you run us through what's happening with this one? Um, yeah, so the, the Roosters had the, the best attack in the league last season, and they're up against the third-worst defence in the Sea Eagles from last season. Um, uh, what In saying that, I don't hate the Sea Eagles starting 13 at all, and I can see them at least giving an honest account of themselves in this match, but I do think the Roosters will have too much for them, so I've got the Roosters to win. Yeah, they're, they're a class above the Roosters. What do you say, Miles? Yeah, there's way too much going on here for the the Seagulls for me to tip them in this one. Dylan Walker at fullback, uh, Lachlan Croker at hooker, and pretty ordinary bench. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Roosters as well. Speaking of benches, look at the Roosters: Adam Kieran, Jared Wairia, Hargreaves, Nat Butcher, and uh, Daniel Saluka for Fita, uh, who I don't know much about, but I, I would tip that bench to do a little bit better than the Seagulls most days of the week. So I'm gonna go with the Roosters as well. I've got the next game, which is the Panthers versus the Cowboys in Penrith. Um, Now, obviously, I'll acknowledge my bias at the door. (laughs) I'm a Cowboys fan. (laughs) Uh, Look, there's not a lot of surprises from Ivan Cleary and the Panthers to start the year with Paul Momorowski getting the jump on Tyrone May and Kurt Capewell rewarded with a run-on spot after an excellent Origin debut. For the Cowboys, it's new coach, new team. First up, the most expensive winger in the world, Val Holmes, has finally been moved to the <laughs> ring where he deserves, uh, where he belongs. And Drinkwater has been given the first opportunity at fullback, which I really like the look of because you've got guys like Drinkwater with his left foot kick, Michael Morgan, Jake Clifford in the same team. Uh, it, there's a lot of creativity there. Uh, Tabio Ifido will play in the centres, uh, which is a very attacking move. Um, maybe not the most stout defensive move considering that he'll be defending next to Cohen Hess or very close to him. Um, they've picked three hookers in the side as well, which is interesting. Reese Robson is at nine and they've got Granville and Cotter on the bench. Uh, so Galaxy Brain, Todd Payton, uh, <laughs> will get the Cowboys to a 30-point victory against the Panthers. Uh, that's, of course, not going to happen. Uh, even in my wildest dreams, I, my head says Panthers by about... Eight or ten, I would say. Kieran, you're a Cowboys fan. Um, do you have some more hope for them? No, no. I'll just say straight up, I do not. And yeah, I've probably got the the Panthers by at least ten points. And Miles, uh, surely, surely you've got some hope for the Cowboys here. <laughs> no, sorry guys, it's going to be the Panthers for me. <laughs> All right, Miles, you've got the uh, next game, which between between the ti- uh, sorry the Raiders at home against the Tigers. Yeah, it's um, uh, there's certainly a lot of churn in the Tigers team. As we mentioned, Dane Laurie at fullback and a halves partnership of, of Moses Embai and Luke Brooks, which will be interesting to start out the year. Um, obviously, some new backline faces there for the Tigers as well, James Roberts, and and then of course their new captain James Tarmow and the the forward pack. And it, it's almost it's a I don't want to say it's a completely different team from last year, but it's certainly very different. Um, the Raiders bring in pretty much the exact same team from last year. Um, and look, that's what's got me thinking it's going to be the Raiders here. They're playing at home. They're, they're playing against a a, very, a team that's very new to each other. Um, we didn't exactly end the year on a, um, a very successful stint either, so I'm going to go the, the Raiders pretty easily, unfortunately. Agreed. Kieran, what do you say? Yeah, that's thirded everything Miles said. Great. And you've got the last game, which is on Sunday evening, from Netstrata Jubilee Stadium, which is uh, is a new branding for the Dragons' home ground. It's between the Dragons and their old rivals, the Cronulla Sharks. Yeah, I've got uh, a little similar with what Miles said about the, the dogs. I, I don't so foresee the Dragons hitting the ground running to start the season, although, to be fair, I think that's going to be detrimental to their their whole season and why I have them to get to the spoon. Their form was so inconsistent last year and their form or their play so erratic 
Um, I don't believe a team so bereft of ideas will be able to pick up the pieces and find a winning formula too soon. Uh, whereas the, the Sharks have, um, maybe not by a lot, but I, I do believe they have the better attitude on the field. And if this is a tight one, I might even put my neck on the line and say one of my favorite up-and-comers and Connor Tracy will come up with a match-winning play. <laughs> All right, so Sharks for you. Uh, Miles, who do you have with this local derby? Yeah, well, it's been stuck right at the back of the weekend when everyone's probably died of footy by 6.15 on a Sunday and it's probably going to be the most boring game of the week. So, um, oh, it's, it, it, to be honest, it's about as bad the Dragons as are, I think it might actually be a close one and I'm tempted to tip the Dragons, but I, I am going to play it safe and, and tip the Sharks. All right, I'm going to combine my bowl prediction and the tip for the result here. So we're into golden point now, guys. Scores are level. Let's go to our bold predictions. <laughs> I have got the Dragons to easily handle the Sharks. So mm. I've got them for a 13-plus win. Wow. Uh, for, the, for the team that I think will get the spoon. Uh, so uh, that's just saying a little bit about how uh, my opinion of the Sharks, particularly with no Sean Johnson, I think that's a that's a bit of a death knell for them. Miles, what is your bold prediction for round one of twenty twenty one? Look, I've I've tried to eat a bit of humble pie on this one. I, I've pretty readily shit on the Kevin Walters appointment at any opportunity <laughs> I can, um, as most have, I might add. Um, but look, I, I do think that both Brodie Croft and Anthony Melford will benefit from uh, his expertise. Um, hopefully he can pass that on to them, um, being the, the great half that he was. And I think that the Broncos, despite uh, them not having a great chance to win, uh, say not a great chance to win, not even a great chance to maybe even score a try here, but I think <laughs> as many tries as they score, I think... Croft will be involved in them all, whether it's through scoring them himself or assisting them. All right. So that's... So do they have to score at least one try for this to qualify? They do. They do. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Just thought so I was... battling uphill from the start. <laughs> yeah, just, imagine if they score like eight tries and then Brody Croft just pencils himself in for an origin spot later on this season. <laughs> um, Kieran, what is your bold prediction for round one? Um, well, Croft, uh, just back on Croft, he actually scored or was involved in all of the Broncos' tries against the Eels last season at Suncorp. Um, of course, that was one try and they lost 36-6. That's true. Um, it was a 40-meter was a, uh, 40, 40 effort from memory. Yes, yeah, that very good try. That correct bowl prediction for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've got three upsets this weekend. Uh, I, I'm not sure which games, but I think there'll be three upsets. All right, have you tipped those? Uh, I had, I tipped the dogs. I tipped the warriors. Oh, I only tipped two. But I, I can see, I can see maybe the the dragons or uh, rabbitos winning, and I think they're both outsiders. Also, the cowboys, of course. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, well, guys, thank you very, very much for your uh, for your efforts this Tuesday evening uh, on our very first team list Tuesday. As always, I get to say it finally again. It's that time of year. I've got to say, go the Cowboys. Go <laughs> the Cowboys. Go Liverpool. Go Liverpool. What's the hell at the moment? There's a full time siren. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The Above the Horizontal panellists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson. <laughs>